0: Welcome to Monkey Off My Backlog, the podcast where we exercise our pop culture demons by tackling our media to-do lists one week at a time. I'm your host, Sam, and with me is my co-host, Tessa. Hello! We are here today to get some closure on this whole James Bond business. Nigel couldn't make it today, but we are joined by Elise.
1: Woohoo! It's me, Elise. (laughs)
0: We've all seen No Time to Die, and spoiler alert, we do not agree on this film. We're going to be talking spoilers in the film, so if you haven't seen Daniel Craig's final outing as Bond yet, come back when you've seen it. So this movie is Daniel Craig's final outing as James Bond. It is meant to tie up the previous four films. We've been waiting for it for 18 months. And here's what we got. We got a prologue. Young Madeline Swan is attacked by an assassin with a mask on, but she escapes, almost dies. He saves her. Really, really cool. Cut to present day. Swan and Bond are hanging out. They're having their happily ever after. Gonna go see Vesper's grave, get some closure there. Grave explodes. Bond comes to the conclusion that Dr. Madeline Swan has betrayed him. He gets so angry, he rage quits the relationship, goes off the grid, time passes, so much time passes that a new 007 exists. Felix Leiter, meanwhile, finds Bond, asks him for help for a mission in Cuba. Bond, Leiter, and a new CIA agent go to Cuba. There's a thing with a Russian scientist blofeld from jail tries to kill bond but there's a betrayal a twist of fate everybody from specter dies except for blofeld because he's in prison it all has to do with this thing called project heracles which is uh nano mcguffin bots and so we find out blofeld is still behind this bond goes back to london and meets with blofeld who will only meet his therapist who is guess who Dr. Madeline Swan. Bond tries to get the information out of Blofeld. He said, well, really, you know, I, you know, don't get so mad. But he antagonizes them so much, Bond, you know, throttles him a little bit. And because of the MacGuffin nanobots, Blofeld is now dead because he's not the big bad. The big bad is the masked guy from earlier. They figure this out when they go, when Bond goes to Madeline Swan's childhood home. And in her childhood bed is a child who she insists is not Bond's child plot twist. The the guy, the assassin in the mask, whose name is Safin, is, you know, the guy that was with Leiter, is a double agent. Hooray, that's super fun. Um, Safin kidnaps Madeline and her daughter, takes them to his, not a volcano in Japan, but very, very close, his World War II era base on an island between Japan and Russia. Bond saves the world from his evil missile-launching nanobot scheme, but in the process, is infected with the MacGuffin bots and is never able to touch his love and his daughter because, oh yeah, that's really his daughter. And he gets so upset, he dies. The end. Elise, you liked this movie.
1: (laughs) I love that you're... Can I just say, I love that your summary implies that he just died of grief. (laughs) But didn't he? Like Padme. I mean, kind of. Yeah. From Revenge. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes.
0: I hate saying Padme
1: deserved better. Padme deserved better. Yes. I really did like this movie. I did think the plot was a little bananas and how it went back and forth. Like, I. I thought that was his kid immediately. I knew she was just saying that because she wanted to disarm. It was him totally always going down. to be his
2: kid. Like I knew, I knew yeah. that he was going to show up, and there was going to be a kid before anything happened. Like I, I didn't,
1: I didn't know. Well, but-
0: one of the original drafts of oh gosh, I can't remember if it's Casino Royale or Quantum is that Vesper had a child with him, and that is his modus operandi for a plot so basically they just took that out of the Mm -hmm. fridge nuked it for a couple of seconds and served it to us lukewarm
1: (laughs) so on positive note i thought that this movie was beautifully shot i really loved the score i liked how um the theme song worked within the story the score i i'm not good with music but it had that like I can't even remember now, but because I've listened to it since and I've seen the movie twice now. It had that there was like that part of it where you just felt like the tension and the high stakes of what was happening. Whenever there was like a big fight scene, there was that one. I don't know what to call it. That like one sound or the one uh, melody that was like doing a thing. I know that's very descriptive. I liked that this felt a little bit different from our typical Bond. You know, we had a flashback at the beginning, which is something I don't think we'd had before. And especially not one from a different character than Bond. Um, it was Madeline as a child. Um, the cold open was like extremely long, but I, I did speak with a friend who had not seen them. I The second time I saw it, one of my friends had only really seen the last two Bond movies. And she was like, the part with madeline as a kid like she's like i would have understood the whole plot without that so like if you're compl- if someone's complaining about it being too long that could have been a part where they shortened it but i felt fine and i honestly didn't feel that the movie went on too long for me yeah so you mentioned that you have
2: been listening to the score could you give us your thoughts on one no time to die the Bond theme, which has been out, as as Sam has mentioned elsewhere, Billie Eilish has written and produced an entire album since she originally released that song for this film, right? and their use of Louis Armstrong's All the Time in the World at the end of the film.
1: I felt that the tone of the song and some of the lyrics really kind of summed up Bond's mood at the end of the Holds Open I should have known I'd leave alone, like he it's basically like I made a mistake by trying to trust someone and get involved with someone again. You know it obviously had happened with Vesper also, so he just felt like, why does this keep happening to me? <laughs> why are these ladies betraying me so much? So I just felt that it was a really good summary of kind of if you um weren't paying attention with regard to the score. I actually found that earlier in the movie there was parts of we have all the time in the world like within the score Uh, and I forgot the track name but I had sent it to a friend because I was like pointing it out and I also felt that or felt um, I also thought I heard a little bit of Skyfall in the score as well and early in the movie yeah after the flashback Madeline and bond or driving and she's like oh can you go faster and he's like i don't need to go faster you we have all the time in the world and i at that point i kind of felt like okay i should have known someone was going to die at the end but i didn't really it didn't really hit me
0: that was that was the moment in the movie where my soul left my body and the reason for that is that's when i knew this movie was going to be a pastiche it was going to be a greatest hits compilation
1: Right. And that's, yeah. Yeah. And so I think that this the track Matera might have had a little bit of, we have all the time in the world from Louis Armstrong, like the instrumental. And then I'll be right back at the beginning, I feel like had a little bit of Skyfall in it.
2: Yeah. And we definitely hear Vesper's theme when he goes to her grave at the beginning of the film. We hear a little sample of that song. The No Time to Die song gets sampled whenever Madeline and him have like a tender right. moment. And of course like that yeah. intro like the the entire intro references different parts of this five movie arc that we've seen because we get like little visual glimpses of like the the playing cards like from Casino Royale, we get little glimpses of like yep. the different characters from the different movies as well. And that intro directly references Dr. No by having the little animated The dots. Yeah, like the. the the, I thought that was really interesting. We can talk about Saffin as a character here in a little bit, but that intro definitely was giving me some
1: Dr. No vibes as well. I I agree. I thought of Dr. No as as soon as the theme started and they had the little dots all over the screen. Yeah, good call out.
2: So we all know that you're here for like the emotional side of Bond, which this movie definitely wants to delve into like (laughs) his psyche and like you said, like his feelings of betrayal. For me, I had a really big problem with the tonal shift of this movie because it wanted to do some like classic Bond things, like we have that whole scene with Ana de Armas and I wanted to live in that scene, like the scene where she plays Paloma and they're they're infiltrating a Spectre party and the uh, the the audio is all through like the earpieces, which I thought was really clever and It's, like, very classic Bond. Like, that was really fun, and they were doing a a thing, and it was a fun little action set piece, but then those types of moments were interspersed with just these very, like, bleak emotional, like, things, and I, I just, I felt like this movie, for me, couldn't figure out what it wanted to be. Like, there, it wanted to be classic Bond, but it also wanted to be, like, this different kind of emotional action movie, and... I don't know if it blended that as well as something like On Her Majesty's Secret Service does.
0: You know, here's the big problem. We want to... Okay, so the first movie ends with Vesper dying, and we got the guy in the trunk. Okay, so we're going to pay homage to that by having the grave, you know, basically the sins of the father, and the dude in the trunk's the father, right? We just don't know that yet. And then we get Quantum of Solace, which is all about the father and daughter relationship. And how she may or may not be involved in Spectre. The most positive reading of Quantum of Solace I can give you. And then in Skyfall, it's really about the emotional impact of M. If you, you know, that, that stupid Union Jack Bulldog shows up in the garage. But, <laughs> but it's all about that tension yeah. with, with Bond and M and how it's exacerbated with a, a, a terrible relationship with, you know, Ray Fiennes' M which comes out in Skyfall. And then, of course, Spectre, you have Blofeld and Dr. Swann. So, first of all, we have to chain all of that together into this movie. And then we know at the end we want Bond to die. We're going to reheat this whole, like, Bond has a daughter thing. How can we get from the end of Spectre to that? Okay, well, if I do this, I have to do this, and then we have to do this, and that's partially why i read the plot summary the way i did because it's not cohesive it's chaining events together to create a causal relationship that is nothing beyond if this happens then this happens there's no narrative logic beyond that
2: i also really didn't like that they killed specter and blowfell in this movie like it just it felt like the scene at the beginning of a View to a Kill where it's just them like flipping off uh the dude who owned the rights to Blofeld by having him die super easily. Like it just felt like they were building Specter up so much because Spectre's obviously like this iconic Bond, you know, villain. I I almost wish they would have just like not had Blofeld in it. Like it- they'd been like at a different party or something. Like it just felt like Specter was a plot device to get Bond back in the game. It didn't actually it felt like they were really undermining all the work they had done in those first four films to like lead up to Spectre, just by being like, "Oh, J.K., like they're all dead now." It just—I, I don't know. It was moments like that that really made me feel a little frustrated with this film.
0: So one of the things that that you talked about when we got out of the theater—I I don't know if we have talked about this on the microphone—but the first two big movies we saw in the theater were Fast Nine and Black Widow, and we did not have the same takes on those movies. And I remember telling you that I thought it was awful No Time to Die when we got out. And you're like, I'm so glad we agree on movies again. But the thing that you mentioned first, your, your hot take on the movie was about the emotional stakes or emotional manipulation, I'll let you say it the way you want to, of the relationship with Madeline and the existence of the child.
2: Yeah, I really disliked what they did with Madeline in this, mainly because the the way, and maybe, maybe I just need space from, like, the marketing of this particular film, but the way that they set this film up was, oh, this is going to be about her secrets, it's going to be about how, like, she was actually involved in Spectre or something worse. Like, it was very much, even the beginning of this movie is very much about, like, her like her past and her secrets and like what are her secrets and her secrets will destroy bond her secrets turn out to be zero things except for the fact that she was pregnant that secret happens after she and bond are together like i i just didn't really understand what they were doing with her character in terms of like her backstory like i thought we were gonna find out that like Rami Malek's character had, like, raised her, actually, or, like, she had trained with him. Like, you know, like, I I expected there to be more of a past there besides the fact that she's a mom, and it that's what it ki- kind of felt like by the end of the movie, is that she was just Bond's baby mama. Like, that. that's all it kind of felt like to me that they had done with her as a character, and it didn't really feel like there was any payoff to this whole, like, she has secrets and those secrets will destroy you. Well, actually, the secrets are that she's a mom.
1: I. <laughs> would not disagree with that i do feel like it was a little underwhelming the you know they kept talking about the secrets in the trailer and then it was just and they also like when they put that line in the trailer when she says you don't know what this is like they make it seem like that was about the secrets but obviously that was about the nano MacGuffin bites or whatever (laughs) whatever you want to call
2: it i have one last thing to say about the nano mcguffin bites all like recently, you can see these like trends in action movies, and recently it's been nanobots and magnetism. And
1: this film had both nanobots and <laughs> magnets in it. I like the magnet part though.
0: So let's let's talk a minute about the three new additions in this movie. So first, of course, is Rami Malek's Bond villain, who was not Doctor No. So, like, Safin, Safin, I just have so little connection to this character. Like, I couldn't even remember. But his first name is Lucifer. Lucifer. His first name is Lucifer. Okay, come on. That's just. (laughs) I thought
1: they said that. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to call him Safin. Now, (laughs) I I
0: will say that the. I'm not sure if it's the same poison that was used by a Russian agent in uh, England a few years ago. But it's the same kind of weapon that produces the same effect, that facial disfigurement. But all that Rami Malik was tasked with in this film, how did he do?
2: I mean, I think he did all right. Again, I'm not... I've said this before. I'm trying to tie, I'm kind of over Bond villains being disfigured. Like, all right, fine. But he... I really wish that he was Dr. No. Like, they kept, like, making these parallels between him. Like, he has his own island. He's, like, dressed in this, like, pseudo, like, tunic. He just, like, he, I mean, yeah, there are scenes where, where James and, and the other double O are, like, running down these hallways that are supposed to be, like, callbacks to the, him crawling through the reactors in Dr. No. It just, it seemed really weird that they were trying so hard to evoke Dr. No without actually just having him be Dr. No. Like, we already rebooted Blofeld. Like, why are we not rebooting that character?
0: You know, one of the hallmarks of the James Bond franchise are the production designers going, hey, did you know this thing on Earth existed? And, like, making it a thing. I feel like the discussion was, did you know that there are islands? Like, Japan just keeps going until it hits Russia? Let's do that. What what did <laughs> what did you think about um, Safin?
1: He was fine. I... I don't love Rami Malik, like, in general. That is based on me seeing one season of Mr. Robot and nothing else, so I can't even say that it's, like, an informed opinion because I had no interest in Bohemian Rhapsody. I love Queen. That's why I had no interest in Bohemian Rhapsody. I thought he did okay with what he was given. I don't know that he was given that much, but also, like, I don't need a Bond villain to, like... Do that much anyway. So I I I feel like it didn't it didn't bother me, even though like it was just
0: fine. This film has the requisite number of Bond girls, which is three. However, in in what is possibly the only plot twist in this movie that is good, she's not a Bond girl. She's a double O agent, and she's not just a double O agent. She is double O seven. Talking about know me. Played by Lashana Lynch.
2: Would watch a spinoff. Like, I, I really yeah. liked her. I thought she, I, I wanted like her to be on this, on the screen more. Like, I was more interested in knowing about her 007 almost than I was the Daniel Craig 007.
1: Yeah, I really, like, if the next movie was just Lashana Lynch, like, I'd be like, cool. that's his Bond. This is Bond now, but it's not Bond. It's just 007. And she's the one
2: who almost says the title of the movie when she kicks that guy off of the thing and says "time to die." Like that was the the most racist thing. And
1: she's like, "Nope, it's time to die." Yeah, that was pretty awesome. That was
0: good. You know, you you, you've talked about Doctor Swan them trying to do something with emotional stakes and kind of, you know, just killing the legacy of the Bond girl and, frankly, dishonoring the memory of Tracy. And then we have this plot twist, not a real Bond girl. So, you know, you could be forgiven if you thought this, this sequence in the middle just doesn't fit in the movie because it doesn't. But what they did was we have to have an actual Bond girl, like a, like a you know, honor the past, just very attractive, very cool Bond girl with no emotional stakes. No inversions of gender and blah, blah, blah. Just just put Ana put de Armas in The Spy Who Loved Me Dress and let's go. And let's give her a cool name, Paloma.
2: I'll let you go first on this one, Elise. Do you think that Paloma would marry me? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one could hope.
0: Are you now or have you ever shared personality traits with Ben Affleck?
1: I would hope not. Then there's a chance. It would probably it would probably be for someone else to say. Paloma was so charming. She was so cute. I loved the choreography of her fight scenes. I liked the energy that she and Daniel Craig had together. They were a lot of fun to watch on screen. Like I would just really enjoy that. And they they kept stopping for drinks, which was really funny. I just really enjoyed their time. And like, at first, you thought she was going to be kind of like, they made her, you know, she was, came off a little ditzy at first. And like, and I don't mean that in a negative way. It was very cute. Very but overly like, she excited. Was nervous. Yeah, like, she was so excited. And it just kind of reminded me of my favorite character on Star Trek Lower Decks. Tendi is, my girl Tendi is always just really excited and up for everything. And it just, I really resonate with characters like that like, cheerful and happy.
2: And I think one of our first reactions, like, both of us when we got out of the theater was to text each other, it's the Spy Who Loved Me dress! It It yes. is definitely a callback to Agent X's dress from the Spy Who Loved Me.
1: What did you think of the blue dress? Obsessed. I, I want to wear it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, do I want Paloma or do I want to be Paloma? Probably It's both. the eternal question.
2: I love this scene. I like you. I love Daniel Craig and Anna Armas's chemistry. I would watch them in any movie together. Like, yeah, like I mean, and it, it's not even like really romantic. Like, there's a little flirty edge to it, but it's just a very like they are two people who just get along and like do good work together. I wish that scene was the movie. Like, I wanted that to be the whole movie.
0: So okay, let's let's just take a moment, and if you have anything to say. About M, Money Penny, Q, Lighter, Tanner, here's your chance. I will start you off with the question, why is Q the best character in this movie? Go.
1: Because he's queer.
2: Because he has yeah. cats.
1: <laughs> you know, they yeah, that cat was, was real now cute.
2: Now. <laughs> I love the scene where he comes I, in <sighs> and he's like, oh, Bond, I haven't seen you in- years and like emma's like i know he's staying at your house q
1: yeah that was really funny because like we didn't even really know he was staying there and it just like was really funny um i always want bill tanner to have more to do because i don't know why he's like this generic white man and i still like him i just bill tanner (laughs) i don't know (laughs) that's all i have to say about bill tanner
2: I don't know. I feel like they were trying to make everybody have interiority in this film, which is fine. It just kind of like muddied up a lot of stuff. Like, is M a bad person? Probably. Do I really care in this movie? Like, I don't know. Is like Money Penny, like the only real stuff we get with Money Penny is when she takes him to Q. We don't get a whole lot from her in this film. So it's just kind of,
1: they're there. Right. I do like that Money Penny kind of goes rogue sometimes though like I like she wasn't supposed to do any of that and she did it anyway and I like that her allegiance is to James
0: you know they didn't even have the common decency to kill lighter via shark you know they they just yeah no decency and and there to be sharks in this movie yeah and we had a
2: lack of sharks
0: and did you guys catch that this was clearly supposed to come out 18 months ago because the cia and mi6 are not getting along because of the person in charge of america at that point that lands a lot differently now yes that's the whole thing yeah, it's about I didn't you know even, who he who, I sh- didn't even he who shall consider- not be named
1: it's funny that you called him that because I'm in a slack and when he that person was president, that was the name of the political channel. He who shall not be named. Yeah, that didn't even occur to me. I am more upset about Felix dying than I am about anything else that happened in this movie. And I don't mean like upset, like angry. Like I I'm I think it's clear to me that they're just going to probably reboot this and have all new actors and as I th- I said it earlier before we were recording like even if they were not going to have a different actor play M I feel like they should now because Mallory is going to get arrested because he really screwed up pretty bad.
2: I didn't like Felix's death and it wasn't because like again like I I'm not really against people dying in these films. It's just it feels really weird that they just had him die in such a like emotionally exploitative way like at least in license to kill even though he doesn't die like his wife dying and then him getting like like almost dying bond like the whole right. film is about his relationship with bond and the fact that he like almost dies and bond like is trying to get revenge or justice or whatever this almost felt like it was an afterthought like oh we have to make this like more emotional and we have to make the bad guy seem badder So we're going to kill Felix off. And I I don't know. It just didn't hit me right. As much as I love this version of Felix, like I do love like what they what Jeffrey Wright has done with this character. I just it didn't feel like like there was one reference maybe to Felix later when he kills the guy who killed him, the double agent. Yeah, Logan. Um, But there's not a lot of like follow through or like, yeah, to me, it just it felt like fridging except for with felix instead of a lady
1: <laughs> no i i understand because like i do feel like you know we have we have um license to kill where james is like clearly in felix's wedding they're very close i do like jeffrey wright in feel in the role of felix but i would say that i kind of agree that they haven't like he's uh, Bond says to Logan, I had a brother. His name was Felix. I don't think that they showed us that their relationship was that strong. That being said, I kind of turn, just turned my brain off and let all the emotion stuff wash over me, which is probably why I liked the movie more than you guys, because I just like was letting it do its thing.
0: So it's interesting that you, you say that. And I think that the folks at Eon Productions would be like, well, yeah, but you saw License to Kill. You know they're like brothers. And that you've done a very good job of leading me to... So where does this movie fit in a variety of different ways? So, and we've already kind of talked about all three of these things. How does this film fit within the Craig Bond arc? I've already told you what I think. The only thing I have to add to that is... So if the bar is set... By Rise of Skywalker. if That is the absolute worst way to end a film series of all time. This tripped over that and then landed right in front of it. Like that's, that's they had a very low bar and they just tripped over it. That's, that's how I feel. How do you guys feel?
1: So you're saying it's slightly better than The Rise of Skywalker? Yes. Just because I'm like... I okay. said
0: at least it's better than Rise of Skywalker to Tessa.
1: <laughs> That's a very low bar.
0: I imagine you feel differently. Was this a good way to yeah. end this five movie serialized arc?
1: Um i th- I think so. It was a little... It was definitely very dramatic, but I do feel that it was better than The Rise of Skywalker and better than Game of Thrones, which I'm finishing my rewatch of. You
2: forgot about Game of Thrones, didn't you?
1: I'm actually on Segway. I'm on the second to last episode right now, so it's getting a little hairy. But yeah, like, I really liked it, and I actually, I know I've talked negatively about it, and I, we were talking before. It's just habit for me to, like, say all my nitpicks more than and easier to defend my nitpicks than to say why i like something but in the bond in the daniel craig like if i was gonna rank all the daniel craig bond movies this is one falls right in the middle for me but um yeah
2: I mean, I think that's fair. I feel like Sam is on one side and you're on the other and I'm like somewhere in the middle because there are like really good (laughs) elements of this film that I did enjoy. I think I would have enjoyed this more if the Daniel Craig series was its own thing and not part of Bond. Like if it was like a different like to me, this arc having him die at the end of this felt really weird for Bond. Because Bond right. doesn't really do hard reboots. They do soft reboots. Like, the the most reboot thing that they've ever done was Casino Royale. And even that had, like, elements of the previous series in it. For me, I don't mind them killing the character. Like, if you look at the James Bond that's in the Daniel Craig films, it kind of makes sense. Like, it is a way for this to end. But if that's going to happen, then they need to end the franchise. Because... Having that happen and then saying James Bond will return really, really upset me <laughs> in this film. Like, I was really hoping they would say 007 will
1: return. My dad had the same comment. Yeah, like, it feels
2: like it. they, bo- they want to have their cake and eat it, too. Like, they want to end this in a really emotional way and, like, pay off all these stakes that they've been building over the last, you know, four films. But they also want to continue this, like, multi-billion dollar franchise. So for me, like, it just felt really odd that they would do it this way. And I don't, I don't want them to re- explain it. Like, I just want them to go to the next Bond and just be like, you know what I mean? Like, I want them to just, just do what yeah. you've always done. Like, have a new Bond. Like, you don't have to get so caught up in the continuity of it all. But since they decided that that was important to them in these films it gets really messy, I think. And I think that's why I ultimately am kind of lukewarm about this film because like either you care about continuity or you don't. This felt like they were trying to pick both and I just, I didn't really appreciate that. So maybe if they hadn't had that James Bond will return at the end, I would have felt better about it.
0: I'm telling you right now, if the next James Bond movie begins with the new Bond looking directly at camera, winking, And making some science, some sort of Sherlock Holmes reference, so help me. I just, that's what they're going to do. You do, you know that, right?
2: This is actually about how he enters the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because that that (laughs) explosion was actually gamma rays.
0: No, we're not doing that. Okay, so, Elise, where is this movie in your ranking?
1: So, I put it at number seven. I gave it four stars. It sounds cringing when I said Ah. that. (laughs) It's right. It's sandwiched between Dr. No and Goldeneye, which I know sounds probably scandalous, but (laughs) I just really enjoyed it. I had a great time and I was excited to see it a second time.
0: So Tessa and I both disliked this movie. So I just want to do a dramatic recreation of how we settled where it went. And this could change. This was an instant reaction. So I said to Tessa, I said, so we basically now we have 25 movies, so we have to figure out our ranking. And so I said, is You Only Live Twice still the worst Bond movie? And she said, Yes. So we have You Only Live Twice at number 25. And then I said, Tessa, is No Time to Die a better movie than Live and Let Die? Yes. All right. So Live and Let Die is number 24. And then I said, Tessa, is No Time to Die Better than For Your Eyes Only. Yes. Okay. And so then I said, (laughs) Tessa, is No Time to Die better than The Man with the Golden Gun?
2: No. I actually like The Man with the Golden Gun better than No Time to Die.
0: So it is all the way down at number 21 on our list of bonds, which brings me to my final question, which is about Adele because she has an album named 21. Nope. Nope. That's nothing. That's not a real segue. (laughs) Which brings me to my final question. What now? Like they killed Bond. It's over, right? As I said on the podcast, when we all last convened, they had 18 months. I expect to see that they've already picked out the new Bond and it's going to be the the thing at the end of the movie. It's going to be super exciting. They clearly chose a different path. They are like, one of our students <laughs> who did not do the homework and was like, "Oh, oh, I'm sorry. I knew I had like like a month to do it, but I'll get started now."
1: You know what happens next? We all move to Jamaica and live on the Golden Eye property in a commune.
2: I'm a, I'm in favor of that plan. Yeah, I don't know. I feel I do want to leave myself some room. I feel pretty good about my analysis of this film right now, but like I do want to come back to it in a year or two and rewatch it because. Like with Spectre, I think that maybe some of my problems with it have to do with the way it was marketed. So getting some distance from that might help. Mm-hmm. As far as where they're going to go from here, I just really don't want another hard reboot. I don't want them to just be like, we're going to do another origin story for Bond. Like that, I'm really worried that that's where we're headed. I would much rather see... Lashana Lynch's character spun off. I'd much rather see a different 007 or a different 00 spun off. I'd like to see a Paloma spin off. Like, what's what's that girl doing? Like what's what's her situation? Yes. So like for me, I'm I'm kind of ready for this franchise to be done. So- sorry. I'd
1: be okay with that. Also, I really want to go back and watch Doctor No now. I yeah. I watched Doctor No right after we recorded our Long podcast, and I it's 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 a fun rewatch for me.
0: All right, Elise, where can we find you online?
1: You can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Elise underscore Tendy E L Y S E and underscore T E N D I. You can find my podcast Pod Rates, a Deep Space Nine podcast, on Twitter and Instagram at Podrates, P O D W R A I T H S. Tessa. You can find me on Twitter at Suela
2: Tessa. Suela is spelled S-W-E-H-L-A.
0: Find me on Twitter at Sam underscore Morris 9. Send us your thoughts about No Time to Die. What pop culture you've crossed off your list lately. What you'd like for us to talk about on future episodes or anything else that comes to mind. Find us on Twitter and Instagram at monkeybacklog. Email us at monkeyoffmybacklog at gmail.com. Visit our website monkeyoffmybacklog.com. Our theme song is Hot Shot by Scott Holmes. It can be found on scottholmesmusic.com. Please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Podcast, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Get that monkey off your back.